He's not here, so I can do that. <laughs> well, good morning, and um, thank you for um, being here in the presence of the Lord. And uh, today, I'm going to just continue in our uh, series that we've been doing around the life of David. And the thing that I'm hopeful about is speaking to you about an authentic heart. And I'm basically basing it on the passage of scripture in Psalms. So if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn to it. Um, it's in Psalms 139. And it's the just two small verses. And it says in there, in the 23rd verse, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So I'm going to pray before I start and... Um, ask the Lord to help us think through what it means to have an authentic heart. Dear Lord, I just praise you because you've brought us here together again to sit and think about you, to stand and sing about you, and to reflect on our week and our lives, Lord. And today, as we open this topic, I pray that you would shine upon our hearts and help us to take a look at what it means to live authentically, what it means to have you search our hearts to see if there are anything, if there's anything in our heart that might not be like you. Teach us how to walk in a path that actually manifests who you are in this world, Lord. Forgive us for those things that creep in and those things that we hold on to or the places that where we harbor things that are not like you. And I pray, Lord, that you would just give us a clean heart, one where we are able to walk with you in a very authentic way. I pray that you will take these words that you have given me and those things that are wasteful and not of any use, let them be tossed away and not thought about. But those things that you may have placed upon my heart that might touch someone else's heart, Lord, I pray that they would be there and that you'd keep them there, hide them in our hearts so that we won't sin against you and that we will live an authentic life. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, before I get started, I'd like to have you look at these pictures that I have up here. Can you see them? All right. There are three baskets here, and I would like to ask you to determine if the values that you see there are appropriate, and, and, and how would you determine their worth? That's been assigned there. So I'd like you to, I know you guys are going to see, this is different. Remember, I'm not Pastor Doug, okay? I want you to sit, and I would like for you to talk about that for a couple of minutes. 
what would cause you to determine or decide or believe that those baskets are worth what the dollar amounts have been assigned to it? Go. Okay, who believes that there's a basket up there that is actually worth its $400 as marked? You do. I want to know why. <laughs> you think it's authentic. Someone else says it's rare. Somebody wants to pay that much for it. The time and effort it took to be made. The quality, okay. So who determined that it was around the quality? She did, okay. Somebody was knowledgeable, okay. What about that $15 one? <laughs> oh, so you think that one was probably made by a machine versus which one? Okay, so you understand something about baskets that maybe not everybody in this room does know, right? Okay, suppose they were wrong. <laughs> All right. I see some of you use different kind of decision-making methods to think about their worth, right? Some of you measured it as, were they old? Were they made by people who might really know something about basket making? Some of you said you'd rather pay the 15 bucks. Um, some of you said that it takes a lot of time. It would be priceless, all right. Well, truth and authenticity is something that most of us value, okay? So I just use this as an example. 
and you don't have to leave those pictures up. That's about all I have to show um, this morning. <laughs> What's the real value? Honestly, I don't know. I saw them in like a pawn shop. <laughs> and I thought it would be interesting to bring it up here in our sermon this morning. Because I think that being authentic is something that's difficult for most of us to figure out. Um, and typically, we use this concept when we visit museums, right? Why is it that when we go to museums, or for men who go to car shows, why is it that you're looking at things through the lens of its value? And I think that's just part of our nature. Someone whom we don't always know has determined the value based on what it is. That value can be kind of anything, but it's based on those who have thought about its value. And I think in our world, uh, in the way we live, image and reputation are extremely important, important in these types of venues. And as humans, we are drawn to things that are authentic and valuable. These can include more than just items. It can be also our ideals. It can be our morals. It can be our education. And these things are often considered priceless because of who or what or where or how or when they were formed, made, or any other aspect. I have um, things that I have received from um, my husband or my daughter or my son, and those things can seem priceless to me. I have pictures that my grandchildren have drawn. They look hokey to you, but they're very special to me. And I just want to talk a little bit this morning about how God has a standard for how he determines value and worth when he looks at us. And I don't know if we often think about that. For example, he says something in his word that sometimes we skip over. He basically says that he does not look at things like we do because our focus is generally based on how the outward appearance is. But it's God saying that he looks at the heart, which I believe is about authenticity. God wants us to be real people. Some people define authenticity as being of undisputed origin. They're genuine, they're real, they're bona fide, they're true, they're veritable, they're being real. You know that you know this is what they are or what you have. Like, for example, um, if you wanted to ask if you had a pure piece of jade, what would you do? How would you determine that? You take it to someone who can really tell you this one is what it is. It says it's a, it's a, this gem, it's J, and it's real. 
I think that um, God really also is looking at us, and he wants us to have an authentic heart. One of the most complex characters in the Old Testament is David. He's not what one would consider as having a cameo appearance in Scripture. He doesn't just come in for a second and then he's gone. He has a central role in God's story, and as such, he has much to teach us about what an authentic relationship with God looks like. In fact, there are many passages in Scripture where we get windows into David's heart and even Scriptures that define him as a man after God's own heart. Um, for example, it talks about how he was very loyal. Although King Saul, uh, Saul, if you know the history of David, there's this whole dynamic that goes on between David and King Saul in the Old Testament. And King Saul wanted to kill him. He was obsessed with getting rid of David. And David never, ever retaliated. He never went back. He could have done something to get rid of King Saul. All he ever wanted to do was serve him. In fact, in the scriptures, one time Saul was sound asleep when David had been kind of on the run, and David went in and found him, I believe, in that cave, and he actually could have killed him, but he did not. He spared his life. He refused to kill him. One of the other things about David is he was a faithful friend. His dearest, closest friend was King Saul's son, Jonathan. Can you imagine what Jonathan was like? He had to be kind of schizophrenic because he had a dad who wanted to kill David, and he had David who loved his dad, and he was torn between them. But he was, David was faithful to him. He never let his father's vindictiveness towards him affect his relationship with Saul. He was also very repentant. David would constantly repent about the things that he, was, he had done. He would not leave those things undone. He was willing to be open with his sins. Um, in fact, he was pretty descriptive about how he was repentant. You, if you remember the story with him and Bathsheba, do any of you know that Old Testament story? Some of us don't have a clue, but that's okay. Um, uh, David had had this woman that he saw with Bathsheba, was her name, this is when he was king, and he decided, oh, she's pretty cool. You know, I, I think she's beautiful. So what he does, because she's married to a soldier under David's control, he decides that her husband should be sent to the front of the battle, and then he's killed. And then he's able, basically, to have this woman as his wife. So he, he's, got, he's got issues. <laughs> David does have issues. But he also has 
a heart after God. And when he does wrong, he knows how to repent. He knows how to go back to the place where he first was, realizing that he sinned and he is contrite and he changes his ways. Even um, when you look at him, you see that he was a worshiper. He was very reverent. If you read the Psalms, you'll see song after song after song about David, from David, where he is exhorting the Lord and he's lifting him high and really extolling him very much. Uh, but yet he has conflict in his life. Um, he didn't always discipline his children. Um, he didn't do anything about his two sons who were really in a, um, a bad division um, because one of his sons decided to rape the other brother's uh, sister. He did nothing to resolve that conflict. There, there are a lot of things about David that are beyond the pale when you think about it. But yet, there is something about him in his relationship with God that must go deeper than the eye or even the way we would maybe measure someone today. Because he would always turn back to God. He was always coming back and pondering and actually looking at his life with scrutiny to say that he sinned and that he needed to change. I believe that he lived with scripture as a central part of his life. That scripture that we read at the beginning of this time together, where he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Try my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. To me, it appears that David, with all his flaws and his failures, kept one thing clear, and that was being authentic with God. He believed in being real, real true to himself and God. He was looking at that from a perspective of that is what's valuable. This makes me think of those baskets. Some of them were valuable, and some were not so valuable. As, as we continue our journey into this life of David in the scripture, I'm focusing on his heart and what we can learn from it, and why having an authentic heart matters to God and ourselves and others. All of us have what I think or call an exterior. And I know what I mean, and these two interiors and the exterior impact our walk and relationship with the Lord on a daily basis. Some things are structural. What do I mean by that? Some things come from our past, our heritage, our upbringing, and our personality, and our bent. Those things shape us. And other things may be because of our choices, which often impact our lives now and later. 
But it's important to remember that those incongruencies or inconsistencies between our interior and our exterior lives can cre create turmoil. It creates anxiety, illness, destructive behaviors, and they often sabotage our relationships, not only with others, but also with God, and hinder us from ever living out our God-desired purpose. And left unchecked, they can cause death in our relationships with others and ultimately in our relationship with God. About 14 years ago, I retired early from the University of California. Have I told you guys this story before? I hope not. You know, <laughs> you know, as you get old, your memory goes, okay. And just having turned 55 and I had lost my mother in her early 50s from a heart attack, I did think about the possibility of not living long after my retirement. And a few months out after I had retired, I was sitting in a movie theater eating popcorn when I had the worst case of indigestion I had ever experienced. After trying to get rid of it by pounding on my chest and eating Rolaids, because I was in a movie I wanted to see, um, <laughs> discontinuing my popcorn splurge, and, and Will can attest to this, sliding down in my seat to put my head between my knees, William finally convinced me that we needed to leave and head to the hospital. In my usual fashion, I said to him, okay, but will you go ask the manager if I can have a rain check? <laughs> which he balked at, okay, because he knew better than me that something was seriously wrong. And it turned out I had a mild heart attack. Fortunately, I was able to avoid bypass surgery with the insertion of several stents in my heart. And the doctor gave me pictures of my heart in which I hung up in my office with a caption under them that said, remember your heart. Now ask me if I still have this picture today. I don't know where it is. <laughs> so much for the lesson. But what I learned about the heart is that it's one of the strongest muscles in our bodies. It's the chamber muscular organ that pumps blood received from the veins into the arteries, thereby maintaining the flow of blood through our entire circulatory system. But the heart can be diseased. For example, if your arteries or blood vessels become narrowed or blocked, blood vessels, this can lead to a heart attack or cause chest pain, angina, some people call it, or even have a stroke. Other heart conditions, such as those that affect your heart uh, valves and your heart muscles, are also considered part of heart disease. Heart dis-ease, notice what I'm saying. Heart dis-ease is a great picture for us to think about what can happen in our walk with God 
when we lack authenticity. In other words, when we're not being genuine or congruent in our lives, when we live one way but we say that we're something else, it's not in harmony. Who we are truly is based on what is inside of us, not what's on the outside. Because you wouldn't think necessarily, unless you knew me, that I've had a heart attack. I don't even think I had a heart attack other than my memory of it. Because I'm not looking at my heart every day with a microscope to see little stents that are all inside of it. The world's views and what is value generally do not equate to God's value. But Jesus has given us an assessment tool. He says, where your heart is, what? There is your treasure. Our heart is the repository of the deepest feelings, beliefs, thoughts, passions, and desires. We have an admonition in Scripture that our walk with God must go beyond lip service and even our intellect. It must be a matter of the heart. In, in Matthew, the Scripture talks about these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Our interior self matters to God. The heart, as Jeremiah wrote, said, is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The Lord is the one that searches the heart and examines the mind to reward a man according to his conduct. It's not just men, it's women too, according to what their deeds are. Another translation says that the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful, a puzzle that no one can figure out. But, the writer says, but, there's a stopping point there. But, I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the matter. I go to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. What are some of those root things or places that are not as we pretend they are? I would say that some of our past experiences and personality impact and shape our response to the issues of our lives. I can certainly say that about myself. Growing up in a family where violence was there, where there was arguing and fighting, those things have helped to shape who I am. I have those in my memory. They're laid down, I believe, at a cellular level. One of the things that I have very difficult times with is any kind of turmoil or um, anger or anything like that. And I know part of it comes from where I started from in a home, and that's what I was raised in, and it was terrifying to me. So we all have roots of things in our lives, but unless we are willing to face them, we will suffer from what I term spiritual dis-ease. We often experience warning signs, like I did with my heart attack. But we look for ways 
or remedies to ease our dilemmas and suffering without looking at the root cause? Are we suffering disease from things that we're hiding? Say shame, or guilt, or anger, or bitterness, or unforgiveness. Are we afraid to open those places up so that they can be brought into the light for healing or forgiveness? Our heart is the central place for our relationship with God and others. And when it is diseased, its functions are abnormal and can be harmful. If it is diseased, it may mean it is not free of restraints, pain, worry, or agitation, and it affects our relationship with God and others. So what is the remedy for this, Yvonne? I hope I've made you guys go into a downer here. The scripture does have a remedy. It says in Proverbs 4 and 23, it says, above all else, that's really pretty deep. You know, above trying to get a new home, above trying to get a good car, above getting a great job, above getting an education, above having status or anything else. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. When I suffered my heart attack, I had to surrender my will to William and the doctors and the nurses. I had to admit that I was incapable of fixing my heart and turn it over to others to help me. I had to face the fact that I had blocked arteries and that I could no longer resist that I was running the risk of something else occurring if I refused to accept help. I must admit, I was not happy with the bedside manner of my cardiologist in the hospital. She had terrible bedside manner. She was not very nice. I also was not happy when I came to after my stents had been placed in and discovered that something had broken off in the surgery and hit my eye nerve. And so my vision was wonky. Everything was all broken up. Everything was moving. Um, and so I had to trust God and those who knew more than me that something would change. Although in the hospital, I must admit, I had already... Uh, because it was only in one eye, I had figured out a way of how I was going to live with that. I was going to have multicolored eye patches to match every outfit that I wore. <laughs> but I had to trust those who knew more than me, particularly God, and just wait and follow instructions. After all, they were the experts. I'm making an assumption today that we all want to live authentically as God's beloved. At least that's my hope. To do this, what might that look like for you? To, to live more authentically, you will have to surrender your heart to God. When they laid me on that gurney to go in and have them put stents in my heart, 
I really was like putty. What could I do? It was called surrendering. That means that whether you believe it or not, your heart, the seed of your emotions, impacts your actions, your reactions, and it can drive your decisions that may not be what God wants for you. Uh-oh. Watch out for your heart. Examine it daily. And ask the tough questions about honesty and unforgiveness and anger. I know we don't want to go there. That's a place like, let me, let me go over that pile. I don't want to talk about that. But we have places that will cause us so much dis-ease and create a life that's not authentic if we don't take care of it. Take precautionary measures. Find a godly person that you trust and share things you need more help with, prayer and support. Most of us don't want to be accountable to anybody. That's the way we live here in America. It's my way or the... Mm -hmm. Be vigilant. Why is this important? Because our heart tells us what our character is like. Scripture talks about out of the heart flow the issues of life. God is more interested in developing his character in us, I think, than we are. God is more interested in developing his character in us than we are. Change only occurs through honesty, support, time, and courage. Our walk with God has to be beyond lip service. It must be a matter of the heart. I'm proposing this morning that our goal should be to ask for and live towards having an undivided Mother Teresa saw this as hearing, retaining, and preserving. Psalms 86 and 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in it. I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Another translation of this scripture says, Train me, God to walk straight, then I'll follow your true path. Put me together, one heart and mine, then undivided, I'll worship in joyful fear. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you, dear Lord. I've never kept secret what you're up to. You're always, you've always been great toward me. What love. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I have no idea why you place these words in my heart and mind, but you do. And I pray for this congregation this morning, Lord, 
that we will walk authentically, that we will live authentically, that our words, our lives, and our hearts not be divided, but come together in a way that we really are who we say we are. Help us to have an authentic walk with you. Help us not to be afraid to admit to you the things you already see and know. Help us to be honest, to say how difficult it is for us to turn over the reins of our lives to you. Help us to sit and be open to the changes you'd like to make in us. Some of us, Lord, we need reconstruction work. Some of us need stents. Some of us need a bypass. Some of us need a transplant. There's nothing, absolutely nothing, too difficult for you. You can take our heart, take it from being so divided with so many different things, to have us being reconciled to you, knowing that you know everything there is to know about us. We're embarrassed. We're in shame. We don't want to look at it, but you see us all the time. Would you help us to live more authentically as the person that you love and gave your son for so that we might know you in an intimate way and live a life that is totally